Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Uh, recently, my wife and I have had chats and we've discovered our love for watching movies that are based on true stories. Can anyone else relate to those? Anyone else in the room, self-confessed, loving true? And why? I thought to myself, why is it that we love movies based on true story? I think sometimes because we see ourselves in the picture. I think sometimes because we really wanna know how that story, how that person got from here to here and actually go on that journey with them. And recently we watched Coach Carter. I know it's an old school classic, but I love sometimes going back. It's really great. Samuel Jackson does a brilliant job bringing this thing to life. And as we're watching it, it's amazing how when you watch a movie based on a true story, you go through the whole movie, the one and a half, two hours, and they usually climax at the end with someone either winning a championship, someone getting that relationship, someone getting that dream job, whatever it is that they're trying to achieve through their life. But every one of them I've noticed end with a still shot of that individual, of that team, of that person. And there's usually little captions at the bottom that tell you where that person ended up. Are you with me? Everyone knows those scenes? And it's funny because we look at it and we've watched this whole two hour movie, obviously in the spectrum of their life, that's a lot shorter. And we're looking at it and we're like, yeah man, look, that person went on and did this and they did that and they're so awesome now. But you know what we often neglect? We often neglect the fact that they had to live their whole life experience and that led them to that moment, to that bottom caption. We often just forget all the incidents, all the accidents, all the things that happened in order to get them to that point. And I don't know about you, but I've found in my life that I, can often, I often wanna fast forward the inappropriate seasons of my life. The things that are grinding me, the things that are challenging me, the things that are going, God, why? Have, has anyone been in that spot? God, why? Why am I here? What, what's the purpose? What are you doing? And today I wanna show you that God is committed to building your story. Check this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses two to three. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. I love this next part. Christ Himself wrote it. Isn't that awesome that Jesus is writing a story? Not with ink, but with God's living Spirit. Not chiselled into stone, but carved into human lives and we publish it. I love the fact that there's this, this theme that God is constantly committed to building you and building your story. And I love this because I found in life that the quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line. Would you agree? That's the quickest way to get anywhere. But why is it so often in life when we feel, I remember being uh, 10 years ago, um, I got saved and obviously it became part of Lifehouse Church, which was amazing. But I remember getting saved and about a week and a half to two weeks later, I felt God call me to ministry. Now, how many of you know that where I was at the time wasn't reflective of where He was calling me? I felt like, and has anyone else felt like that? You're saying, you're here and God says, hey, I want you over there. This is what I'm calling you to do. But you feel so far from it that you get frustrated, that you get agitated. Some, let's be honest, sometimes we try to take our call into our own hands and try to fulfil it. And I remember being in this space and I'm like, all right, God, if that's what you're calling me to do, then I'm gonna walk it. So I remember I joined the life group, started coming to church, started serving, doing all the right things, ticking all the boxes. But then all of a sudden, how many of you can relate to this? You find yourself over here. You're walking where God wants you to go, but all of a sudden you feel like, wait a minute, how do I end up over here? Then all of a sudden you end up over here, but the call's over there. Then all of a sudden you feel like you go backwards and you feel like you're trying to move forward in life, but you feel like you're being moved all over the place. And I had to go back to ask God and say, God, why do you let that happen? And I remember being in that space and God said to me, hey, you know when you were over here? There were skill sets that you learned here that you couldn't learn anywhere else. 
Remember when you were over here, there were relationships that I forged into you that you couldn't learn anywhere else. Remember when you were back here, you actually learned patience. You actually learned how to wait for what I wanted you to do. And this is the thing that I've learned. Check this out. It's the truth that I've learned. I've got a quote up on the screen here for you. It's gonna encourage you. It says, as God builds your story, He also builds your character in order to condition you to carry His call. Isn't that encouraging? I don't know about you, but when I, when I first started to um, training, when I first went to the gym, the funny thing is I wasn't in there benching my heaviest weight. I had to start somewhere in order to condition my muscles in order to carry a load that I wanted to carry. And the funny thing is God is conditioning you to carry His call, whatever that is for you. I couldn't even imagine me doing what I'm doing now like 10 years ago. In my mind, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't ready. It's funny, we, we all often wanna to get to the end very, very quickly, especially if you're guys in the room and you love fast cars, you wanna go from zero to 104 seconds. You get what I'm saying? And that's what we wanna do with our lives, but God's saying, hey, let me hold your hand because I've got you on a journey that you'll never forget. Amen? Amen? So good. Uh, recently, um, some of you guys know, uh, earlier this year, we had the privilege of moving out to the east of Melbourne, uh, and it's, it is amazing out there, let me tell you. Um, and it was just awesome that we made this move. You know, I remember I was saying to the guys uh, in the first service that I remember sitting on this stage literally a year ago, looking up at Pastor Richard. He was leaning on this pulpit the day before Flourish. And I had just been away and God spoke to me about our house and He told me to stay but be ready to move because we lived out in the West. And I remember Pastor Richard then start talking to me about, um, about the East. Automatically, Holy Spirit dropped a word in my heart saying, that's why I told you that. Because I want you to stay but get ready to move. And I remember that we made this move to the east and it's been amazing. But about a month ago, Friday afternoon, we made the journey all the way from the east. So I live in Donvale. We had to go all the way to where we used to live in Deer Park. We've still got some family there. A one and a half, about one to maybe just over an hour drive turned out to be two and a half hours. I might as well have gone to Jermaine. I might as well have gone to Torquay. This is about the same distance. And I actually rock up and I'm going down this, this uh, down the rest of the ring road and I'm traveling down. And it's very interesting because all I could see is C's and C's of cars. And in that moment, you, do you, have you ever had that moment where you see an accident and you think, oh, I'm gonna be the only brainiac who'll get off at this exit. And you realize that you're not the only brainiac, that everyone else had the same idea. And I get off the freeway right near um, Airport West, going over the bridge. And as it's almost like this happened in slow-mo, I'm traveling over the bridge, I look out to my left and all I see is thousands and thousands and thousands of cars and people that are being affected by this one accident. And it's amazing because it was, we heard, up, heard later it was a five car pileup and this is the word I felt God lay on my heart in that moment. He said, isn't it amazing how one accident has the ability to affect so many people? And it's funny, we often hide our accidents, but what if it was the very thing God wants to use as the ripple effect to, fit, to affect many people? And this is the thought I felt God give me. Check this out, it's gonna be up on the screen for you. The accidents in life have the ability to become the avenue of God's greatest artistry. I'm telling you, at the time, you know what, you know, and you know why we hide them? Because they're a mess. We don't understand them, so we try to hide them, we try to put them in a closet, sweep them under the carpet thinking no one can see them. But the reality is God wants to use them because they could become the avenue of God's greatest artistry. You know, I look around this room and I, it's funny, as I was praying for today, I had people, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna point them out today, but I had people coming in in my mind and I could just see them and I thought, that person. And they're all in this church. I'm like, God, I thank You that they're building their story. And I found myself praying for them. Thank You that you're building their story. Thank You that you're gonna use that season of singleness to be a platform for when they get into a relationship, they're gonna value it, they're gonna own it. Thank You for that drug addiction that person used to have because you're gonna use that because when you bring other drug addicts into their world, you're gonna help them set them free. Do you get what I'm saying? 
But we often shy away from sharing our accidents because we think that we have to keep them secret. When God says, no, 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 to the very platform, I want you to bring victory in other people's lives. Amen. It's so encouraging. Because I remember being at, um, at Life Conference, which is in New Zealand, great friends of our senior pastors, Pastor Paul and Marie Dion, And we went there uh, with the whole team. And I remember seeing for the first time, has anyone seen live art? Like when someone's actually got a canvas up there and they're actually doing live art on the spot. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I saw this, um, this lady, she was drawing a picture. But the funny thing is, I didn't know what it was because I couldn't tell the start. The funny thing was with every stroke of the brush, she brought the picture to life. And the funny thing is that I just saw myself as the blank canvas. And I was like, God, show me the picture now. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hey, I don't care if I preach myself, I'll preach myself up here. But you know what I'm saying? Anyone, anyone feel like that? It's like, God, show me the end result now. Show me the picture now. Show me what you're trying to do now. When God says, no, 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 just hold my hand. Just hold my hand because I'm taking you on a journey to build your story. And I felt like that for so long. And I love the fact that when I saw the end result, it was such a beautiful picture. And this morning, you know, all my, my, own, my only objective is, is to introduce you to the artist. Because you'll see that he is the master craftsman. He's creating a masterpiece in your life that will be so attractive to the people in your world that will allow him to use your life to lead people to him. Are you with me? Awesome, awesome. If you've ever been out uh, for a coffee with me, I know many of you in this room have, I love, 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 one of my most favourite things to do is to hear people's stories. Recently, I did this in my life group. I've done it in previous life groups. I've done it with my interns. Last week, how many of you guys love Ben Higgins? Pastor Ben Higgins absolutely dominated last week. Um, after East, we had the privilege of taking him and his wife, Emily, out for, a, um, for, for dinner. And literally for about 30 seconds, I just said to her, I said, Emily, tell me your story. Alan told me that she has a crazy story. And literally within, within about two minutes, just hearing this girl's story, I just felt more intimately connected to her because I got an insight into her life. And you just never really know someone until you've heard their story. Where did you grow up? Where did you come from? Oh my gosh, how did you get to this point in your life? How did that all happen? And one of the reasons why personally, why I love this book is because it's filled with people's life stories. But not just stories that were, you know, from 2000 years ago and, and they're dead on a page. These are actually real life accounts that we can learn from, that we can glean from, that help us in life today. And I remember, I know I love the story of Abraham. I love the story of Moses. I love the story of Peter. I love the story of all these great um, Bible characters. But the, one of the stories that I resonate with the most is the story of Joseph. Many of you guys will be familiar with this story. You find it in Genesis 37 to 50. And this is an amazing story of a guy who had a dream. And I look at myself 10 years ago, I was Joseph in terms of like God gave me a dream. He gave me a vision. He gave me a call of where He wanted me. But how many of you know, if you read his story, and I'd encourage you to go read it in your own time, that his life didn't pan out that way. His life, he didn't get a dream one day, then all of a sudden, you know that whole thing, beautiful, one day, perfect, the next? That wasn't Joseph's story. He, he, gets, he gets this amazing dream. He shares the dream with his brothers and his brothers already hated him because the Bible says that he was the favourite son. And the funny thing is in this moment, he, his brothers devise a plan to get rid of him and they cast him in a pit. I don't know about you, but there's multiple times in my life where I felt like life has cast me into a pit where I felt at the bottom of the barrel, where I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm doing with myself. How am I ever gonna get out of this? I remember being 19 years old and experiencing the divorce of my parents who I love and honour and I respect. But I'm telling you, it was so real and it was so raw. And if you come from a divorced family in this room, you're in a very great place. You're in a safe place. We love you, God bless you. But it can, it can damage you on the inside. Brokenness can damage you on the inside. And I remember being in that space and just like Joseph, I felt thrown into a pit. 
Because I was 19 years old, I'd never been, I'd never experienced a divorced family before. How do I even, what do I do now? Where am I going? Where am I headed? Yet in that moment, I just saw Joseph get thrown into a pit. The next thing that happens, he actually gets sold into slavery and he finds himself in a guy called Potiphar's house. And even there, you think he even rises up everywhere that he went, the Bible said, God granted him favour. And he's in this, and he's in this um, house as a slave. And yet even there, when he rises up to the top of the ranks, the wife of his master accuses him of trying to sexually abuse her. He gets thrown, from that point, he gets thrown into prison. And then even in prison, he rises up with favour from God and he interprets two guys' dreams. And they go back to Pharaoh and it's, it's an amazing story. And he goes, they go back to Pharaoh and then all of a sudden one of them dies and the other one, you think, oh, wait a minute, I did something good for you. Now you've got to do something for me in return. Yet years later, Pharaoh ends up having a dream and the guy that he interpreted the dream, he remembered Joseph. And this is, this is the funny thought that I want to share with you today is the fact that Joseph received the dream in the beginning, but the funny thing is he wasn't just a receiver, he was a giver. He, was, he received this dream from God, yet He was willing to give an interpretation for other people's dreams. And in this moment, God changes the scene. He ends up painting, giving Joseph a fuller picture of what he was called to do. Because remember the dream he got way back when he was 17, he's now starting to come to pass. But every moment, whether he was in the pit, whether he was in Potiphar's house, whether he was in the prison, then he went to the palace and anything else starting with P, he ended up in this, in this season of life that he, if, he, if he gave up back here, if he gave up in the pit saying, woe is me, put his hands up and surrendered to, to the circumstance of life, he would have never experienced the palace. You get what I'm saying? Your palace is waiting for the experience, but he needs you to take through these seasons of life. So when you get to the palace, you understand what you're carrying, that he's conditioning you for the call. Because many of you may know the story, but he gets to the point where he's now in the palace. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And as a result, the land experiences famine, but they put a strategy in place where they harness the grain and all that sort of stuff. And then what ends up happening, the brothers, the very brothers that actually caused the first accident, the brothers that actually threw him into a pit, that looked at him saying, nah, he, he's, he's, not, he's not going anywhere with his life. He told us a dream. We're gonna tell him where his life is headed. Put him into the pit. They end up coming to him from a foreign land. They come to Egypt and they actually come before him. And I don't know about you, but if that was me, I probably would have read him off from, from the very outset. I would have said, hey, have him thrown into prison, have him, have him executed because of the anger that could have been inside our hearts. But look at the attitude that Joseph had towards his brother. Check this out in Genesis 50, 20. It says, you intended to harm me, but God, I love that part, but God. God was building his story but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He could have got so frustrated. He could have got so down on himself because of the pit, because of Potiphar's house, because of the prison, yet his palace moment was coming. The fulfilment of the dream was just on the other side of an experience and he didn't give up. Friends, this morning I wanna encourage you, don't give up because God is building your story. You with me? Awesome, awesome. And you know, the funny thing is, in reading Joseph's story, it challenged me with one simple question. And I really wanna deposit this question into your spirit today. Whose life is waiting to change on the other side of your story? How many lives, just like that one accident banked up all these cars in traffic, how many people are waiting to be impacted, are waiting to be affected, are waiting to get caught up in the ripple effect of your story, of the accident, of the divorce, of the bankruptcy, of the, of, of the sexual abuse as a young child, 
How many people, I'm not, believe me friends, you're in a safe place. I am not belittling your accident, but how many people are waiting to benefit from the overcoming experience you have? From your story, from your story. And God is committed to building your story. Check this out in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Isn't that incredible? Sometimes we think, God, why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? And He's just like, hey, wait a minute, put that on pause for a minute because I'm about to bring someone into your world that's going through the exact same thing. And as I bring you through that valley, as I bring you through that dark moment, I'm gonna give you such victory that when you're around people who are carrying the same, I actually spoke to a young lady in the, after the first service, and I'm gonna show you a, um, a clip in a moment. When she, after she saw this clip, she actually came up to me and she said, your message today actually gave me the strength to deal with some junk that I've been carrying for the last 30 years. Isn't that incredible? Because she realised that God wanted to use her story. Not to keep it hidden, not to keep it on the side. It's actually very, very powerful. Friends, whose life is waiting to change on the other side of your story? Amen? And I'm gonna show you a clip right now. It's, uh, it's from a person who is very, very close to me. And I just wanna encourage you that this woman's life, God is not only building her story, but God is continuing to use her story to set other people free. Turn your eyes to the screens. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents would always take me to church with my cousins back in New Zealand and I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus at the time. It was just basically church relationship, family relationship, going to church because family was going and at the age of six we moved down to Australia and that's when things started going um, quite dim. My parents at the time were were struggling so they were trying to make ends meet. We didn't have much family in Australia so they left us with a, an uncle that they trusted and loved and that's when things started to go downhill. I was seven years old when my uncle sexually abused me and this continued up to the age of 16. Every time he babysat us he'd always sexually abuse me. I couldn't tell anyone about this because I, f- I felt ashamed and dirty and unclean. And I just thought if I told my parents that they just wouldn't believe me because they loved this uncle so much and trusted him. So I just kept it to myself. They still play cards with him every weekend and he was always around the family, the extended family, so it was very hard to, to tell them that this man was just a bad person. Finally got to a place where I had a voice and I remember I just said, stop, I've had it, that's enough, don't touch me again. But he kept trying and persisting and I actually got up and screamed at him at the top of my voice and after that day every time he saw me afterwards he would not come near me. I was still going to church with my uncle and auntie but it just seemed like I was still out of control. I was starting to mix with the wrong crowd at school and as 
I got older, I started going out clubbing, started smoking a lot of uh, dope and just tried to numb myself at any time I could. I was just lying, I was doing drugs, I was um, having sex before marriage. I was just trying to fill a space. I just had this darkness over me where I just couldn't share it with anyone. Like I felt like I was digging a bigger hole for myself. God in all this was, he was probably still there. He's probably still talking to me, even in my time of darkness throughout the whole thing, like just to come back. And I knew what Jesus had done for me, but it was like I just couldn't accept it because of all the stuff that I had done. Um, things started to change when I met my husband, Derek. Angie and I actually met on a dance floor of a nightclub, which was pretty funny. And uh, every time we'd actually meet up, we'd uh, be having little breakdance battles and have a circle formed around us in about 30 seconds. And I think competition was natural for both of us. Even though Derek wasn't a Christian at the time, he just had this spark about him that I just couldn't ignore. I was at a stage in my life where I was pretty much doing everything in my own strength and uh, a guy that's still going to church now, Richard Gazella, was um, helping me build the business. I was about to go do a workout and he said, look, I'm about to duck down to um, Williamstown to meet the pastor of my church. Would you um, want to come down? You know what? Let's go. So I, I remember it was um, a Monday afternoon and I'm walking down Nelson's place in Williamstown and all I see is this guy walk out of Nando's and he's funky jeans, funky shirt, funky shoes, looks like George Costanza, absolutely. And I'm thinking, like, this can't be the guy's past. I'm expecting rosary beads, gown, collar. And, you know, all I remember is I had this urgency on my heart, so just almost like a voice telling me to speak to this guy. And it was Pastor Richard. I sat down with him for three hours. He didn't say one thing about God, about church, about religion. All he did was ask me about me. And you know, by the end of it, he just simply said, he goes, you know what, Derek? He goes, you sound like an amazing guy, but it just sounds like you're doing life really hard. He goes, you know what, Derek? If you want, you can get Jesus in your life today, and he really wants to help you to do life. He said, look, we can pray the prayer right now if you want. And I just remember it was so, so surreal, but so natural. And I just prayed the prayer, and instantly, I just felt this burden of, of the only way I can describe it is a sin lift off my life and in excitement I'm calling my wife and it was just amazing. When Derek first took me to Lifehouse, um, everyone was so friendly, so encouraging and loving that it kind of it kind of freaked me out a bit. I used to go up to him at the end of each service and go, "Hun, give me the keys. I seriously want to go to the car." And he would be like, "Just talk to people. Everyone's, you know, just go talk to someone." And I'd be like, "No." Give me the keys. I thought Lifehouse people were freaks, actually. I thought, how can people be this happy? Do these people realize that I'm such a sinner? Like, how can they be so accepting of me? There was one particular time where the light just turned on for me. It was when we went on a girls' camp. I just didn't want to go. Just, my heart was so closed and something was holding back, me back from going. I distinctly remember um, Pastor Helen at the time when, when they were promoting the camp at church and this retreat, that um, she basically simply said off the pulpit, you know, guys, don't worry if your wife doesn't want to go, go to the info desk and actually sign them up. I've 
learned to now that we serve the God of the impossible. So if it wasn't going to be necessarily up to me to change her life, it was going to be up to him. Derek just booked me in and said, I've booked you in, hun, you have to go. The love from the Girls of Life house and just the passion that they had for Jesus and just, just the overwhelming um, presence of his Holy Spirit, I just, that, that's where it just made a change for me. All that stuff that happened in the past, at the beginning it was layers and layers of guilt coming down, but now, because of what Jesus did for me, it lays at his cross. I don't have to deal with it anymore. And even if it does come back, I remember the truth that he came to die for my sins. So I know that I don't hold on to that anymore. Maybe you're here today and you've experienced exactly what I've experienced. I recommend that you just give your heart to Jesus, give your life to him. The reason why I say that is because I've been through so much in my life, but without Jesus Christ and the truth that he came to die for our sins, I wouldn't be set free right now. So just do it today. My name is Angie and I'm so glad that Jesus came into my life. Come on. Baby, can you stand up, please? Can you please give some honour to my wife? Wow. Wow. Whose life's waiting to change on the other side of your story? Well, many of you wouldn't know. And I, I can imagine there are multiple people in the room who would never have known that about Ange. Let's have a vote. Better with hair or no hair? Better with a beer or no beer? This, this is what ministry does to people. <laughs> but you know what's funny is what many people don't know is that the second that Ange actually filmed that thing, when her testimony was actually put down for many people to see, she got set free. But this is the powerful part, is then when, it, when we played it at church, when it went viral, have a guess what happened? Other people got set free because they felt like they could come and share and say, hey, you've gone through this and you've come out of it. How, how can you help me work my way out of it? And a friend, the best thing, and she continually, she, she continually does it to today, the best thing she does with people, and, and I'm, here at Lifehouse, we're continuing to be committed to do the same thing, is to introduce you to the author. The best thing that we can do is to introduce you to the artist, the one who's writing behind the scenes the masterpiece of your life. Because friends, your story contains the power to help set other people free. One last scripture for you. Check it up on the screen, guys. Revelations 12, 11. They defeated Him, that's the enemy, through the blood of the Lamb and the bold word of their witness. In other translations, it says the word of their testimony. How many people's lives are waiting to experience freedom through your story? Hi, I'm Richard Kabaki and pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. 
I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.